Hey, good morning, Church on the Rock. My name is Rashad. I am one of the pastors here, the only one that matters. Um, just so th those of you who are first-time guests, you're probably thinking, hey, I thought this thing started at 1030 and it didn't start till like 1042 or whatever, in 30 seconds or whatever. Um, we do it this way for a reason. We're trying to revamp what the gathering is about on Sunday mornings. Um, a lot of people, a lot of churches are focused on the program, so like, 10.30 is when we start. We need to have our songs done by this time. The pastor has to be done by that time. And I think a lot of people here still want the pastor to be done by a certain time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but we're more concerned about the people. Um, I like to give the testimony. So last week we had Mama Lana who left to go pick up a member who couldn't get here. But this morning, um, Kaylee Blades, one of our youth uh, members, she actually texted and said, we're on our way to let me know that, hey, give us some time before you start. We're actually excited to be there with the family. So we, like, if you text me or text Jason or something, we're more concerned with people being here together than we are about starting on some specific time. That's like, that's so traditional and just program and business built. It's not about the body. Um, also, we don't see Sunday morning no longer as the church. We see this as a reunion of churches. We see this as an introduction to those who don't uh, know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we see it as an access point to where you can meet people and begin building what your church is, where you can be naked and unashamed with one another. That doesn't happen on a Sunday morning, no matter what America tells you. It does not happen on a Sunday morning. Everybody say, um, um. Good morning, Pipes. Everybody say, good morning, Pipes. Good morning, Pipes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she goes off. All right, she's done. <laughs> so um, we, oh, gosh, don't say nothing. <laughs> say nothing for him. <laughs> say nothing at all. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. We, um, we understand that America calls Sunday morning church. It's a building it's a place, it's a location, but as we've been going through the Bible over these last two months, looking at what the church really is, um, your church family is going to be those who you are most intimate with, those who you remove all barriers with, and you allow yourself to be known and to know them as you pursue Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. That normally does not happen on a Sunday morning. It just doesn't happen here. And so we've just been taking steps to try to push people into this, this new idea, which is actually an old idea of what the church really is. What happens is you'll come here, you'll gather, sometimes it'll be in a building, sometimes we'll be at the park, wherever we're at, you'll gather and you'll see each other and we'll sing and we will praise God, just like any normal church does. But what we're asking you to do is to find connections while you're here that go past Sunday morning. Because what's going to happen is like, for example, there's a possibility that COVID-19 ramps up again and they say, hey, for the safety of people, it's best that we don't gather in a building. So maybe we could, you know, just go back to the park in August or something, right? But then we get back to the park and it starts to rain or it's just one of those hotter than hot days like it is today, right? And, and we're going to say, well, how about this? How about you just gather with your church family? 
those that you would see on a daily basis, those who you've surrendered to and you're chasing after Christ together. Well, the problem is we've been teaching that for two to three years, and a lot of people don't have that even today because you will not be vulnerable with each other. No matter what we preach, no matter what we teach, you're scared of each other. So today, um, I'm going to do the good morning, Rashad, one more time to make sure you're here with me. And then we're going to jump into Galatians. Specifically, we're going to be in Galatians 3, verses 26 through 29. I think that's where I wanted to land today. I'm pretty, yeah, let's go for that. Let's go 26 and 29. So let's do the good morning, Rashad, one more time, and I'll repeat that. I want to make sure you're here, make sure you're attentive. My name's Rashad, not Rashid, okay? Um, Ginger, Abby, Abby, right? Boom, I got it right. All right. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Okay, let's go. So uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. You know me. I'm going to give you some context on how we got there, and then we will break this thing down. I don't do slides right now because I just, I'm just reading the word of God. I want people to be able to just read it with me. Uh, we'll get back to that maybe sometime. But right now, I just want to spend time with you in the Lord's word. That's all I want to do. Just spend time with you in the word of God. So the book of Galatians, it was written by this guy named Paul. Many of you know Paul, some of you don't. But Paul was one of the first people to like really, really persecute the church or those who believe in Jesus Christ. As a result of that persecution, in Jerusalem where the big church was, where there was 3,000 people, it got dispersed over all these different places. And one of those places is what we call Galatia, or which is modern-day Turkey. So if you're familiar with like the world... Uh, Turkey's like right above Syria, kind of before you get to Iran and Iraq. It's over in that area right there. And in, in Galatia, there would have been those Jews who were Christians that were kind of dispersed out from Jerusalem. There would have been some Greek, like Roman-type people. There would have been these, uh, th these people called Gauls who were kind of easily influenced. And we see this in the book of Acts. If you're looking for homework today, uh, read Acts 11 through 14. It'll give you context of the book of Galatia, Acts 11 through 14. But a summary of that real quick is this. They planted churches in Galatia. And in Jerusalem, they heard of these churches and were like, those are Gentiles. Those aren't Jews. And, and are we sure that they're doing the right thing down there? I mean, they're proclaiming Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but are we positive that they're actually following the ways of Christ? So they sent this guy named Barnabas uh, to go check in on those churches. And when Barnabas got there, he's like, man, everything that's going on with us is going on here. This is the real deal. And he stayed there, and in fact, he went and he grabbed Paul to come help him with these ministries. So it's actually at the church in Antioch, which would have been in Galatia, that Christians were first called, I mean, that, that disciples were first called Christians. This happened in Antioch first. So that tells you something powerful about the church. But the Gauls, they were these people group that were very easily influenced. I mean, if you, if you read it like Acts 14, if you, if you do that homework this week, in Acts 14, Paul comes in and he does like this miracle with somebody, and they're praising him like a god. They're like, oh, oh, Barnabas must be Zeus, and Paul must be Hermes, because like they're doing these supernatural things, and they're wanting to bring sacrifices to them. And Paul's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just, the whole reason I'm preaching this gospel to you is to tell you I'm no different than you. 
You and I are no different. I'm not above you just because I, I, I healed this person. We are the same. That's what the gospel teaches. But they couldn't get past that. They kept trying to sacrifice and sacrifice to them as gods. Well, then some, some Jew-believing Christians or some Judaizers, as we call them, came in and started talking a completely different message. And when they were talking this different message, uh, it led people to stone Paul until he, I mean, they thought he was dead. They laid him outside the city and laid him for dead. So in one moment, he's a god. In one moment, it's like you are God. Sacrifices are made to him. And the next moment, because some people came in and said a different message, now they're, they like literally tried to kill him. This is, who, this is who the Galatians were. This is people who were part of the Galatian church. So Paul gets a, 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 some kind of message or some kind of letter saying that uh, people are believing in a false gospel. A false gospel. Now, let's, let's get to the real gospel first. Here's the real gospel made really simple for anybody who has forgotten or, or doesn't, has never heard it or whatever. Everybody in this room, I know you get tired of it, but you should never get tired of it because it's the greatest news ever, right? Everybody in this room, I don't care who you are, is a sinner. You were born in sin. That means everything about you is in disobedience or in opposition to God, the creator of the world, okay? And because of that sin, there's a barrier between you and between God. So what breaks that barrier? Well, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came down because you could not die for your own sins, and he died for you. Now, you may say, I'm not a sinner. I'm a good person. You're a liar. You are. I mean, think about it. Even by worldly standards, you're not a good person. At some point, have you ever lied to your mama, your daddy? Yeah, yeah, you're a liar. See, he's lying right now. Sinner, <laughs> chief sinner over there, right? But, but, but so the, the smallest disobedience to God, God says do not lie. And you're like, but it was a white lie. No, it was a lie. It doesn't matter what kind of lie it was. It was a lie. God said don't lie, therefore you're a sinner. And one sin is worthy of eternal damnation or eternal hell or being e in eternity not in the presence of God. One sin, one sin. So has anybody, is, is everybody agree that we're sinners? Everybody? That's everybody in the room? All right. Everybody's on the same page now. All right. So if we're all sinners, we all need the same solution. His name is Jesus Christ. He died for your sins in your place. And when you place your faith, your dependence, your trust, the thing that says the only way I can get into heaven is through belief in this Savior named Jesus Christ. When you put everything on him, everything on him, you are saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, in Galatia, in the churches of Galatia, all these different churches that were in Galatia, Antioch, Lystra, um, Derby, a couple of the churches that were in the area, they were saying something a little bit different because some people that came up there talking some mess. They was like, yeah, 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 you got to believe in Jesus. Yes, you have to believe in Jesus, but you also have to be circumcised. Now, now they're, they're saying what Jesus did on the cross was not enough. You have to be circumcised. You have to keep this ritual. You have to keep this ceremony. There's a whole bunch of stuff in this Old Testament, and you got to keep that as well as believe in Jesus. In other words, Jesus is not enough. This is what Paul was up against. And so Im imagine that today. Like, imagine that today. Has anybody heard 
that there's other things you have to do to actually be saved. Like, like one of them is people sit down and they're like, mm-hmm, I ain't seen Dave at church in a while. I wonder if he's saved because he hasn't been to church in three weeks. Like church attendance is what gets you to heaven. Mm-hmm. Did you see so-and-so? Yeah, they got a divorce. I'm not sure if they're going to heaven because they got a divorce. Like your marital status gets you to heaven. I mean, there's all these things that Christians today add to Jesus to try to say it takes Jesus and something to get to heaven. But Paul, Paul said, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. It is Jesus and Christ. And Jesus alone is Christ and Christ alone. Anything else is not the gospel at all. In fact, in, in chapter 1, he says that's a, that you, you're, you're starting to listen to another gospel that's not a gospel at all. If you add anything to Jesus, it's not good news. I mean, think about it. If you have to earn your way to heaven, when have you done enough? When, when have you done enough? Never. Like, like, if it's, if it's about your church attendance, then do you have to have perfect attendance? Like, my, my wife's not here this morning, so is she going to hell now because she missed church today? She, and she told me not to use her when, <laughs> dang it. Like, I, ah, I forgot. She literally told me, she said, don't say my name when I'm not there. That's what you get. Anyway, um, it, but, but, but is it perfect attendance? Is it, is it reading your Bible Every single day out of some obligation to a law? Is it like, what, what is it? Is it, can I, have, can I have an ounce of alcohol or no alcohol? Or when I drink my NyQuil, since that's technically alcohol, am I going to hell for that too? Like, what is it? What do you have to add to Jesus? And when does it stop? It becomes this slippery slope that goes on and on and on. And at that point, the peace that comes in Jesus goes away because there's no peace. I don't know when I've done enough. In fact, if you take Christianity and you line it up with any other religion, what you ultimately see is that in Christianity, the Savior died for you. The work is done. Every other religion, you have to do something to earn your salvation. And when have you done enough? When have you actually done enough? to earn your salvation. You don't know. So where's your peace that surpasses all understanding? How do you, how do you live here? No, so this is what Paul was up against. And so he said, if there's anybody, to, he said, even if I, so like here, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the pastor here, right? Even if I was to come in here next week and say, look, y'all, my bad, last week I was tripping. It's not just Jesus. Everybody got to buy the pastor some Jordans too. That's the only way you get into heaven. Like, he says, even if I said something other than the original gospel, then even I'm accursed. Even I deserve death. And he, said, and, and he says in verse 10 of chapter 1, he says, he says, for am I trying to please men or am I trying to please God? Because what happens is when you get into that, that outwards work salvation, what it ultimately comes down to is you're worried about what people are thinking when they look at you. Trying to be something for somebody else. And this is where I kind of wanted to hit your hearts. As he keeps, like, breaking down the gospel. And, and please, if you, more homework. I'm giving a whole bunch of homework today. Galatians has, what, six chapters? If you start tomorrow, read one chapter a day, you'll be done by the time you get back here Sunday, okay? So, like, 
If you read Galatians, you'll see in chapter 1, he's defending the gospel, he's defending his ministry. In chapter 2, he compares himself to the pillars of the church, which would have been Peter and James and John. And he talks about how Peter, who approved of him talking to the Gentiles, Peter, who approved of him uh, sharing his gospel to non-Jewish people, turned around and started acting like he didn't want to hang out with the non-Jewish people. He's like, you know, these, oh, these Jewish people came up, and now I can't hang with the non-Jewish people again. It'd be like me hanging out with all you white people, right? And then black people come, and I'm like, uh, 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 I'm staying over here. Like, that's exactly what, and I know that, like, uncomfortable in today's context. I don't care. Like, I'm just trying to give an illustration, right? So, so it, it was the equivalent, though. Like, Peter was hanging out with the Gentiles, and then Jewish people came, Jewish Christians came, and he was like, well, now that they hear, it started to influence him. And it influ- not only did it influence him, it influenced Barnabas, who was like the senior pastor of that church in Antioch. So Paul had to stand up because there's a church split. Why was there a church split? Because people start worrying about what each other thought about each other. Like it became, oh, you hold these traditions, so you're over there. Oh, you're of this party, so you're over there. And that's kind of where we pull ourselves up to Galatians 3. So I'm going to start there at the beginning of Galatians 3, but we're going to get to the bottom of that chapter. That's the context of this. And so Paul says, you foolish Galatians. And that word foolish in the Greek is like, you idiots. Like, for real, that's, that's what it feels like in the Greek. It's you stupid Galatians, you idiots, you foolish Galatians. He says, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ is publicly portrayed as crucified? That word bewitched means, um, you know how, like, when you get into conspiracy theories, they have, like, the all-seeing eye type of thing? All right, that word bewitched is supposed to be an eye that, like, like if I look at you, I put a spell. Y'all know that song, I put a spell on you? I put a spell on you. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's supposed to be these, I don't like looking at you. Because like, he's, he's winking at me and stuff. But it's, 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 <laughs> it's supposed to be these eyes that put a spell on you. Am I, I got you here. I got you. Okay. And, and, and as I'm like looking at you or whatever I do, I don't even know what I'm doing. Harry Potter type stuff, right? Like I can get you to do what I want to do because that's what the word bewitched means. Or have you seen that old show, uh, Bewitched? And she did like the nose thing or whatever and put a spell. Do it, Lucy. Do it again. You just did it. That's it. It's like that right there. It's this little nose thing she did. And, and her, her husband, like if you go, I know this is really old TV, but, but like her husband would be under a spell. So the word there, like Paul saying, who put a spell on you? Who put a spell on you? And I'm going to stop right there and ask the same question. Like today, like, like, so we know the context of what it meant to them yesterday. I did my responsibility as a teacher of the Bible. I gave you the context so you know what was going on then. But what's going on now? What's going on now? It seems like somebody has put a spell on you. Because this gospel truth that starts in unity because everybody needs a savior all of a sudden becomes something that we forget. We start classifying ourselves as Christian something. And whatever we put in that something, for whatever reason, becomes 80% of what we walk or what we live our lives by. So, like, um, you start off with the real, the real simple one, right? I'm a Christian, but I'm human, right? That's the fun one. 
I'm still human. So we live 80%, 90% of our walk, you know, the, the sermon is walk this way. 90% of our walk is the human part. Like we blame everything on being a human or we live everything according to that humanity. Or we'll say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Democrat. But that Democrat part becomes more of what we stand on than the Christian part. I'm a Christian, but I'm a Republican. I'm a Christian, but I'm a... Like you, you say Christian, and whatever you say after that becomes more important than that first part. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. So Paul looks at you. I look at you. I look at myself and say, who put a spell on you? Who bewitched you to where that second adjective became more important than your Christianity? And it doesn't have to be political. I'm a Christian, but I'm fat. I'm a Christian, but I'm skinny. I'm a Christian, but I'm rich. I'm a Christian, but I'm poor. Like, these words start bringing classes and division, and these, these words start putting up walls and barriers around you to, to where you don't want to be around each other, to where you could be naked and unashamed. Because something or somebody has bewitched you. What's your label? Like, what's your label? According to the gospel, what is your label? What do you call yourself according to the gospel? Think, just think through that. Who are you? According to the basic gospel, what do you see yourself as when you walk around in this world? Are you some white guy? Are you some black guy? Are you some black female, some white female? These, like, these things matter. Because you'll allow this to be the reason that you can't truly have intimacy within the church. This is what we're scared of. We're scared to be vulnerable with each other because I'm worried that you are going to judge me. I'm worried that if I tell you the truth about me, you're going to look down on me and you're going to put me in a level lower than you. Or perhaps if I learn more about you, I'm going to put myself at a level higher than you. And so we don't want to be together. We don't want to know each other's secrets. We don't want to go deep into discipleship because somebody or something has bewitched you. Something has control over you to where you, to where you will not surrender and, like we said last week, walk as you ought to walk. The same way as Jesus. Well, what is it? Can you name it right now? Can you tell, can you just, like, you ain't got to speak up. Maybe you can if you want to, but can you tell me why you won't spend intimate time with one another? Why Sunday's enough for you? What are you scared of? What are you honestly scared of? And what part of the gospel do you not believe that makes you scared about that? And so Paul goes deep in chapter 3. He goes, he goes deeper and deeper in how the gospel is based on faith alone. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. And when he lands in verse 26, now watch this. He says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So here's the first all that we see in these three verses, and we're going to see them three times, which means it's important. He looks at everybody who has truly surrendered their lives to Jesus, and he doesn't call them any other, any other adjective except for sons of God. Everybody who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ is a son of God, a child of God. We, we, um, wasn't that the first song we sang, Ty? 
I am who you say I am, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And that's it. You don't add, I'm a child of God who's also a, no, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Now at this point when we're in intimate relationships, nothing else matters. This is, why, this is why I'm able to share so much of my testimony, so much of my failures, so, so much of my, my, like my sin today with you. Why? Because what can you say to me? Like, like you can call me what you want to call me, but he calls me his. So call me what you want. Like if I, if I get into deep fellowship with you, call me what you want, but he calls me his. And if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, guess what? He calls you his. There's nothing else in there to describe it. It's just his. And that's what this text is saying. Look, for all of you who were baptized in, excuse me, for all, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 27, for all of you were baptized into Christ, have have clothed yourselves with Christ. So what he's saying is this, like, We think of baptism, we think of the water baptism, but he's saying when you believe in Jesus, you've been immersed in Jesus. Um, Anybody play sports, team sports specifically? Team, yep, yep, what what sport you play, Caleb? Softball, what sport you play? Who? Dang, rugby? Dang, yeah, rugby. Yeah, man, man, right? What? Oh, look, you point, what you got? What you got, Abigail? Softball too, softball player. So, so look, what, what does it look like? Abigail, check it out. She's like, she's like, oh, I'm on the spot now. Yeah, I'm going to call you out now. Welcome to Church on the Rock. <laughs> In softball, do you wear a team jersey? Right? So, like, you, you're like, yeah, duh, right? Why do you wear a team jersey? You're whispering. Because what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it shows who you belong to, right? Verse 27 is saying this, like, If you are baptized in Christ, if you are immersed, if you belong to Christ, then put him on. Put on hashtag Team Jesus or something like that. Why? Because at that point, ain't no names on the back of this team. There's just Jesus, right? And all of us who have been baptized in Christ, we wear the same jersey. Nobody's different than anybody. So we can still see distinctions, you know, Cute, ugly, you know, I'm just, no, I'm just playing with you. <laughs> He's actually like a movie star, right? Like, of all people. Ah, anyway, but, but no, no, seriously. But all those distinctions don't matter. We are on the same team. And he says, so you put on something. Okay, so here's my question. What have you put on? What have, what have you allowed, to, allowed yourself to put on day to day? Because this is, whatever it is that's not Christ, this is what's separating you. This is what's keeping you from being intimate with each other. You're looking and you're concerned with how you look to somebody else. This is why Church on the Rock has like this, <laughs> we have this reputation in the community. And pastors like, they don't, they're not afraid to tell me. They're like, they're like you know, people think y'all the messiest church in Brownsburg. I'm like, oh. And I'm, and I'm like, why? And they're like, because people know your members and they're all over the place on this spectrum of things that you could choose. Like, they're, they're literally everywhere. And they all are so happy to be a part of Church on the Rock. Y'all the messiest church in Brownsburg, right? Like, like but yeah, yeah, where other people say we're the armpit, I say amen. Like, you know, I'm like, amen. Be, because what, that, what they're saying is, what they're saying is, when people come in here, at least this is the intended goal. 
you're going to have all these different things that are earthly that describe you and make you a part of different earthly groups. But we challenge you to surrender it all for the unity in putting on Christ. Simple. The unity of putting on Christ. And if we do that, then you're going to have the weirdest little church families that are gathered together because, because they're different in so many earthly ways, but eternity is, ah, ah. When, when, you should see, like, when I'm sitting down in public places talking to people, the, the world describes me as this dude with the backwards hat and my pants sag a little bit and I got my Jordans on and whatever. And I'm sitting with somebody like, like Bill, right? who's put together, okay, all right, like, I was going to compliment you, all right, like, <laughs> he's like, oh, you, you better think twice, buddy, for you, <laughs> but, 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 like, they may not hear what's going on, but they see the facials, they see the hug at the end, they, they hear me say, I love you, and he'll just say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> but they know it's real, and anybody who's walked in here, who's seen us interact, or anybody that knows our history, knows that America says that we don't get along just on outside appearance. But when you put on Christ, all, he's like a father to me. Like, like, like raising, raising my daughter, a lot of it has to do with saying, hey, Bill, like, what did you do with this part? You know what I mean? And it's funny because I get to hear about y'all, but, you know. <laughs> but that's the barriers I'm talking about being broken. And so Paul is trying to show how the gospel creates that. And how you don't have to be afraid to start engaging in these deep, intimate relationships because of the gospel. The gospel alone. You can remove all these things that the world says divide you because of the gospel. So look, here's the last verse. He gets here. So after he says, he says, for all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. So here it is. There, it's like, this is kind of like a therefore. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. There used to be a Jewish prayer. There used to be a Jewish prayer where they would wake up and they would say, God, thank you for not, making, for not letting me wake up as a Greek, as a slave, and as a woman. That was a, that was a I'm just being honest with you. That was a legit Jewish prayer. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't wake up a Greek, a slave, or a woman. And this was a very well-known prayer. This was practiced by the rabbis. So imagine what Paul's doing right here when he's speaking to a lot of these Jewish-believing Christians or these Greek-believing Christians who've been kind of converted by the Jews. Look what he's saying. This, this was their prayer. I don't want to be a Greek, a slave, or a woman. And he says there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, the slave or the free, the man or the woman. Can you see how the context changes that statement? It's not just a feel-good statement. He was actually speaking to something. And so, like, what would that do if you actually lived out those implications? Where if you take all those things away, then what are you? If you take away your ethnicity, if you take away your rights or your status, your, your, your social status, and if you even take away your gender, what are you? Uh, <laughs> no, no, seriously. Yes, without Christ. But what are you with Christ? Thank you. You helped me preach this thing. What are you without Christ? A sinner. Period. No, he's right. Thank you. Look, I, I really mean it. He's right. 
without Christ, if you take away your ethnicity, if you take away your social status, if you take away your gender, you're just a sinner. You're not a white sinner. You're not a black sinner. You're not a free sinner. You're not a slave sinner. You're not a male sinner. You're not a female sinner. You're just a sinner. And that's, oh, that's good, bro. That's where the gospel starts. You're just a sinner. So what happened in you believing the gospel that made you add something to you just being a sinner? If you're just a sinner and you believe in Jesus Christ, then you're just his. That's it. You were just a sinner who needed a savior. If you surrender to that savior, then you're just his. And now any people group that I'm involved in, what can you say to me? Because your words don't trump his. You can call me what you want. You can think what you want. You can assume what you want. But I'm his. Amen. Amen. I'm his. And this, and this is where I want you to land. This is where I want you to, to actually start asking yourself some questions. Because here's what happens. If we get this resurge and for the sake of keeping everybody safe, we say, hey, back to the park. And then the park has a bad, you know, a rainy day or whatnot. I would love for you to say, okay, go to your church. You're like, well, hold on. I thought that was the church. I'm like, no, no, what have we been teaching? That's not the church. That's the reunion. That's the gathering. That's the introduction for some. That's the, that's the access point to find a church. But where's your, ch- where's your group of people where you are naked and unashamed because of the gospel? Where is it? And, and, and could you imagine this? Like, here's... Y'all might fire me after this. That's cool. Here's my dream. Like, I'm going to give you vision. I'm going to give you some vision. Uh, I wasn't supposed to do that this morning. Four to five years from now, maybe, maybe less. Um, I knew you was going to, I knew somebody was going to say it when I, I paused way too long. I was like, somebody going to say something about Romans? Ah! Actually, and we start, hey, we start that back in two weeks, just so you know. Ha, ha. But, but look at this, look at this. Four to five years from now, here's my goal, here's my goal. Can you imagine if our five non-families, or whatever you want to call it, that's just what we call it, because we don't want it to be a group, we want it to be families. Imagine if everybody in here was a part of a five non-family of what? Four adults to, to ten adults. Four to ten adults, who knows. So their kids and plus the adults are these little churches that are all throughout Hendricks County, Right? And, and once a month, we, we gather, you know, we, we gather on a nice day um, in, the, in the summer months or the spring months, whatever. We gather at the park like we've done, and we, we have this amazing just time of fellowship and reuniting and seeing each other and all that. But when the weather's bad um, or when it's cold, you're gathering with your 5'9 family, and what happens is the leaders of these five non-families, these pastors in a sense, these, these house church leaders, that's who I spend the majority of my time with. In other words, if there's, if there's 30 house churches of 10 people, that's 300 people. You see that? And, and I'm spending time with these 30 brothers and sisters, 15 on one week, 15 on alternating weeks, and I'm giving them everything I have and I'm raising them up to be just equipped with everything they need to lead these people of 10. And instead of having to pay 
3300 for this building a month, we put that back into the house churches and the communities. And you're getting the same teaching, the same loving. I'm still able to connect with everybody. But you're finding these 8 to 10 adults that you're completely naked with and unashamed. There's no secrets. The struggles in parenting, the struggles in marriage, all of this is happening on this level that you can't get on a Sunday morning anyway. Could you imagine that? And we just have these reunions and these access points. And when you invite somebody to your church, it's really to this house fellowship of like 10 people. And they grow in those 10 people and they fall in love with those 10 people. And then you bring them to the greater gathering for this monthly equipping or whatnot. And, and can you imagine how much more we can do with our money for the kingdom than paying for a building that let a virus hit and we can't use for two months anyway? This is my dream. This is my vi- I haven't even talked to the care leaders about this yet. This is just me like I've been dreaming this. I've been thinking this through as I read the Bible. But what, what happens when, when Billy's inviting friends and they just come over to your house and you and your husband are leading this fellowship and there's a couple others over there. And, it's, and they're like, wow, this is considered church. And you teach them that and they learn that. And then they come to this. And they've already got a family that they're aware of, and they get to know each other, and we just expand. And then as you get a little too large for your house, you plant more churches. This, this is the kingdom, y'all. This is what kingdom looks like. But we're, we've been bewitched. We've been put under a spell that says, no, no, that sounds a little too radical. We need to be in a building on a Sunday Starting at a specific time, give me my three songs, your boring message, and let's get out of here. <laughs> Somebody's supposed to say no, Pastor. No, nah, thank you, Mama. Ain't no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm done with you today. So look, so look, I, I do want to get out of your way. I, all I want, all I want you to think about is this. All right, things are gonna get worse. All right. Things are going to get worse. I'm not saying this from some fear tactic. Like, biblically, things are going to get worse. So COVID could go away, right? And all this racial tension could go away. Oh, something else is coming. You best believe that. Okay? So things are only going to get worse. What are we doing here in this small part of the world to prepare for that, to prepare each other for that, so that, so that you're not alone? I, I, I keep telling you, when, when the COVID thing happened and we weren't opening the doors, I heard more phone calls of people being alone than I heard of anything else. And that aloneness led to addictions. It led to abuse. It led to it, all kinds of problems because they were alone. And they were like, can you please open the church building because I'm alone? I don't have anybody. Well, why were you never a part of a gathering? Well, I didn't feel comfortable with other people. Why? Because of how they would judge me. Right? Isn't that real? I don't feel comfortable gathering with people because I'm worried about how they will judge me. Well, Paul says, what can they say to you? What can they say to you that matters? Am I trying? Okay, we all be sneezing in here like that. <laughs> what can, well, I'm just messing with you. I got to have a little fun with this. Look, what, what can people say to you? Like, for real, what can they say to you? 
Are you trying to please them or please God? God, right? Well, God wants you to gather. God wants you to have intimate relationship. You were built for relationship. So why are you letting the thoughts, the opinions, the assumptions of other people keep you from that? Like, just, just take, like, I know this is really awkward, but just look around, please. Like, literally, look around. Who in here has, has, has the power to say something to change what God has said about you? Like, this, this is my daughter. I can't even tell her something that God hasn't called her, right? Like, gee, gee can, we, can we be real, real quick? I ain't going to put you on too much blast, all right? How many times... When, like, growing up, you got in trouble, and I'm like, do you still think you saved? Like, that's, I'm, the, I'm that guy. I'm the super guilt trip parent. And, she, and she'd be like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, what does me staying up past my bedtime have to do with my salvation, right? Like, but she would, al- she would always push back. Like, I loved it because I would be in my feelings. I'm not perfect. I'd be in my feelings and be like, it's Genesis you think you saved, like, acting like that? And she literally was up past her bedtime, right? She's like, yeah. <laughs> like, yes, I'm still saved. Like, and, and it's just a reminder, like, I'm her father. I can't even tell her what God has told her. You see that? So, so who in this room can tell you something opposite than what Paul just said of you are his? Any, anybody. Okay, so why are you scared to gather? Why are you scared to go deeper in relationship with the people in, in this room? Well, well, let's just call it what it is. Let's, let's just call it what it is. It's, it's you. It's not God. It's not the gospel. It's not the church. It's, not the, it's you. you want, it's not that you can't. You won't. You won't. You got preferences and biases and even prejudices that you will not, you won't do it. You won't do it. You are scared to get naked with each other. And I mean that in the most biblical way possible. Like, you will not do it. I, I love sitting down with so many of you because it gives me this, this great scale of, like, different opinions and views. And guess what? All of you is my people. Because I don't care what you think about me. And you shouldn't care what I think. Like, all, all I see is that you are his. I don't see all the other stuff. The other day, me and Ryan, you're in the front. You know how it goes, Ryan. This is how it goes. Me and Ryan was on the phone the other day. Ryan, what do, what do you do for a living? He drives a truck, right? Ryan hit me up. He drives a truck. Ryan, former military, right? Thank you for your service. I don't drive a truck. My friend, I don't like driving anything, to be honest with you. And, and... And, like, if you compare me and Ryan outside of, like, loving Kanye's album, there's a lot of things that don't match. And yet we were on the phone. Not only was it one of the greatest conversations of my week, but we were talking about our, our daughters together. We were wrestling with, you know, just raising up some teenage daughters. And, and when we got the phone, it was just, I love you. And people wouldn't see, like, they would think that Ryan's supposed to be in some corner, I'm supposed to be in some corner. But all of that was surrendered right here. Like, I met Ryan here. And all of that's been, because of that, I have intimacy with Ryan that's like crazy. Who, I don't even know what he believes or doesn't believe or agrees with or views or, I don't know. I don't care. He's my brother. 
He's my brother. I don't know and I don't care. None of that has to do with anything when it comes to us sitting down saying, man, I'm struggling too. Like, how are we going to get through this together? So what keeps you from doing that? What other than being his is so important to you that you won't be together? And that's where I want you to sit this week. Like, that's, that, that's, that's where the gospel becomes real. And that's, um, I'm going to ask the worship team to go on and get ready to come on up. Well, go on, come on up. Yeah, I'm going to close it out. Yeah. Before 12 o'clock, I'm proud of myself. But this is what I would, <laughs> look, Jessica, she's like, man, church, we're all different. I came back, and <laughs> like, we all, 12 o'clock? Um, think through this real quick. Like, really start pressing into yourself. This is what I want you to do. I want you to press into yourself. I want you to, to think about the things that turn you off about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Be honest. Be honest. Because, because there are differences. They just don't matter. Ask what, what difference is so important that you literally can look at Christ on the cross and say, I know you died so that we didn't have to have these barriers, but I don't care. It's not enough. Like, think about that. Je- Jesus died so that, so that those barriers wouldn't be there between us. And you're looking at Jesus and saying, that's not enough. Well, what else does he have? What, then what is? I mean, ultimately, we know the answer. Nothing is. If the death of Jesus is not enough for you to look past your differences and become one in Christ, then, you, then nothing is. Right? And so the song we're about to sing, um, here again. Here's the power of this song with this message. Um, I'm not enough on my own. Unless you come. Can you, okay, okay. Look at this. Look at this. I'm not enough unless Jesus comes. Thank you. Will you meet me here again. See, this is, this is like the words of somebody bewitched. Like, when you believed in Jesus, you believed in Jesus because you actually believed you were not enough. Like, bro, I don't know about you. Right here, this is me and you. I don't know about you. But when I walked into church on a rock like that, I felt some type of way that people was watching me, looking at me. I had to swag, and I'm like, I don't know if they can, they can handle all this, right? <laughs> and I didn't want to be here. I mean it. I didn't want to ask my wife. I did not want to be a part of this church. It was predominantly white. I'm from Brownsburg with a bad reputation, and that's, that's my swag right there. I went to a house church, a small gathering, and that man was there. And I knew that man was that, <laughs> was that girl's father. And I knew that woman. And I was not sure how they would receive me. You know what they did? They treated me like I was his. That's all they did. And so in that moment, all these things that made me feel uncomfortable about being with these people was removed. But here's the thing. Over time, those things have popped up again and again that make me feel like I'm not enough. And, and I'll tell you this, the one person who I initially thought 
just from an outside appearance, would have the biggest problem with me is the one person who reminds me time and time again when I'm feeling like I'm not enough to be the pastor here or I'm not educated enough or I'm not smart enough or I'm not whatever enough. He's the one always telling me, they're just going to have to get over it. You're his. And I'm not making that up. He's always reminding me. So, like, let this song remind you. If you surrendered your life to Christ, you surrendered it because you realized you were not enough and you needed him to come and to be everything that you were not. That's the gospel. But somebody has bewitched you. Somebody has put a spell on you. And you need to ask Jesus to meet you here again. We don't do many altar calls here, but this is one where you may want to come and lay that down up here or at your seat. Or whatever. But I'm begging you today, starting today, to take whatever, whatever puts a barrier between you and another person to lay it down and tell Christ to meet you right here again. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Mm. Unless you 
podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you want any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.